going on, Winnipeg fans all across the U.S. and Canada? I'm, this is the Winnipeg Terminal. I'm your host, Mike Andrea. This is Joe Pritchard. Joe, how are we doing today? Oh, great. Uh, we had, we're experiencing third winter right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. You know, it's kind of funny because it's only for a day, too. Like, you know, yesterday I was outside in short sleeves and, you know, talking about the weather and how great it was. And then, well, 12 hours later. I go back outside and I needed my winter coat. I needed my toque. I needed everything because it was cold. Yeah, we were outside when the front hit. It dropped degrees as every minute as we were like, yeah. oh, well then, I guess that's the end of summer for now. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because yesterday, you know, I, I mentioned it this this morning where like, you know, yesterday was 62 degrees in Eau Claire and or was it 61? Yeah. Yeah. 62 because 61 was the old record. Anyways, sorry. Side note there. Um, I was like, tomorrow is going to feel cold, but like this is what we've come to expect in February. And that's exactly what it was. It felt so cold today, but this is a normal February day in Wisconsin. So I think that that just goes to show how spoiled we were. Yeah, and it, like this whole thing has been nutty everywhere. I've seen people in Ontario saying they're having the same pattern too. So uh, mm-hmm. a couple other places are just like up, up and down, up and down. So something weird's happening. <laughs> yeah, my boys in, uh, well, I know that we both got boys in Winnipeg, but uh, they were saying how it was like a crazy snow that they got. They ended up getting, uh, according to, my chat here, three to six inches uh, up that way. But I mean, for how warm it's been there too, it's just kind of weird to think about how we get a day of winter and then look at it, the forecast for tomorrow. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We're going, so, it's just, just like that. It's uh, as my boss had called it, weather whiplash. And I there you go. I like that. Find a, a better term for it, you know, but, you know, we were talking about being spoiled as far as uh, the weather is concerned, but I think that we're, we're starting to get a little spoiled with, uh, with the boys too, with uh, some of the the recent games of the results of the games, I should say they've been playing because it hasn't necessarily been some dominant wins, but they were still W's at the end of the day. And this kind of brings up the point. I've seen this in the, Facebook groups for, you know, the, the Jets fan pages and everything. And, you know, they're like, oh, this is just an ugly win against a bottom feeder team like Chicago or an ugly win against a team like Arizona uh, in overtime or whatever. And I think to myself, sure, you know, they, they can't all be Picasso's same thing that Arneal and Bonus will, will tell you. Uh, but the, the W's at the end of the day are what matter. And just like, you know, we'll just look ahead to the the postseason and if you have an ugly series that you win four games to to two right uh but all four of those wins were ugly maybe you won on a garbage goal or something you still won the series you're still moving on the other team they may have been the better team but they didn't show up when it mattered and they go home so that's kind of the way that i look at it especially when you're coming out of a pretty bad slump that they were in a couple weeks ago, you know, wins are wins at that point. And there's still some issues that need to be addressed, but it is nice to see them get back in the W column 
even if they still haven't completely worked through the issues. Uh, now, five on five has become a little bit of an issue, but they've fixed the power play. So it's they're at least playing to the weaknesses that they had. Yeah, they've, they've swung a little bit in a different direction. But like you were saying, winning when you're not playing your A game is probably more honestly more important than winning when you're playing your A game because you're only going to get a certain amount of those games where everything's clicking. Finding ways to win even against inferior competitions, even when you're not playing up to what you know you can do, that's what's going to shoot you up the standings and get you a better playoff seating. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the game against St. Louis, I feel like out of this series or recent stretch of games, I think that game against St. Louis was probably one of their better ones. Uh, you know, St. Louis kind of came back with a little bit of a counterattack, but for the most part, it seemed like the Jets were able to hold their own for most of the game. And I mean, that's the, the three games that they just had. Those are teams that you do need to beat, but it also helps that they are central division foes, too even if they are bottom. Right. Cause, cause division games are going to be just that little bit more intense than playing somebody in the Pacific or the metropolitan or the Atlantic. Just there's, there's just a little bit more tension right off the hop. And the jets have also done a really good job in the first period, getting out two leads so that they've been finding that lately they've been playing back in their heels after they get those leads, which is something they need to change. But, one problem at a time. Let's get the lead first. Right. And, you know, I want to aptly the, the first star of the game against St. Louis. We'll kind of dissect that game here first. Uh, first star of the game was Laurent Brossois. And, I mean, very well-deserved. 36 saves, you know, let up two goals or whatever, gives them a 947 save percentage. And a lot of those saves were like, you want to ring 10 bells on them too. I mean, he was... He played an incredible game. There's a lot of words I want to say, but, I mean, he played a really great game, nothing short of stellar. But uh, um, another uh, another guy that you want to see on the, the score sheet, who second star of the game, Josh Morrissey, two assists, two points. So it's nice to see the D getting in on the action, especially Brendan Dillon got a goal, number three star of the game too. So, uh, you know, that was uh, that, that was nice to see. You know, it's... One of the things that I think that they kind of strayed away from for a little bit, getting the, the D involved. I think they were really trying to figure out their scoring or figuring out their defense for a while. And that was when they were winning those one to nothing games or two to one. And then they started getting their D involved a little bit more. Sure, maybe you're giving up a few more goals and you gave up the, the streak a little while ago of, you know, Hellebuck giving up three goals or less. But it is nice to see the the D men on the score sheet now, and uh, I mean the results are speaking for themselves at this point. Their scoring's not as hard to come by anymore. No, it's almost like losing the streak after thirty plus games gave them a gave them the freedom to start playing more offensively, knowing that they didn't have a streak to cover. I'm going way back with this one, but I remember gosh, was it 1990 or something like that, where Ryan Sandberg at second base for the Cubs had just this long, errorless streak. But you could tell that he was struggling with all parts of his game because he was so focused on not making an error, he wasn't playing his game anymore. As soon as he makes an error, he goes on a hot streak mm-hmm. and starts playing the way he's the way he was 
supposed to play and gosh he was mvp one of those years i want to say so it having that having that the weight of expectations come off of you sometimes is going to make it so much easier to just go back to playing the way that you're used to playing Mm -hmm. oh yeah you know it's just getting the the monkey off your back so to speak so yeah they've they've definitely turned things on offensively since giving up that streak and it is kind of nice to see and it's it's showing up on their their shots on goal too they're taking more shots uh, 32 shots to St. Louis is 38. Okay, sure. Uh, something that was a little bit of an issue in that game, and that it was very apparent when uh, you know St. Louis was kind of coming back with their uh, they were battling back, but faceoffs was was just not at 37 percent at the faceoff circle for Winnipeg. Uh, neither team scored on the power play. We had two chances, uh, but. Physically, I mean, we we outplayed them big time, 25 to 15 hits and 17 blocked shots. So I think that's a, a pretty solid game. Sure, faceoffs could use a little bit of work, but that's kind of been a trend all year. Not to excuse it by any means, but uh, it's just that's not necessarily an anomaly. No, and you were mentioning earlier that the five-on-five game has slipped a bit, and it seemed like they spent a lot of time pinned back in their own zone. But when they're getting out of it, when they're getting, they're finding ways to make awesome transitions and getting them set up for um, meaningful scoring chances a lot more often than they had been too. Mm-hmm. So again, you're trading one one problem for one strength, and you're never going to be able to play a f- a perfect hockey game that just doesn't exist. Uh, but being able to make those chances meaningful and put away a lot of those chances gives you a little bit of breathing room to make a mistake defensively once in a while. Mm-hmm. And now breaking down that game in Arizona, uh, one of the things too that like a lot of people are saying that, well, the the Jets are just beating or they just barely beat a team that's really struggling. But this could be one of those trap games because that was. Arizona's 12th straight loss that, you know, Winnipeg was able to hand them. Uh, so naturally, if you're coming into a game with an 11 game losing streak, you're going to fight to end that. That's one streak you really want to end, of course. But uh, it, it seems like the more losses you pile up, the more you're going to fight to end that streak. So sure, it on paper, it's nice because, oh, this team is struggling. It'll be an easy game. But that's the definition of a trap game. and you know, kind of fell into that trap after, you know, getting up early three to one uh, in the first period. But then, you know, Arizona comes back and had to force the game to overtime. And well, yeah, you know, Kyle Connor in overtime, it's just like, he's, he's money in overtime, but uh, it wasn't a bad strategy. They were employing earlier last week too, where they just decided, Hey, let's get to overtime and let Kyle Connor win it in the first minute. Yeah. I, I mean, it worked very well uh, oh it sure did uh, i do yeah. wonder with that arizona game if there was more going on than you could see because monahan missed that game due to an illness i wonder if there was more of that going around on the team because it just looked like in the second and third periods the team didn't have any energy which That's a good point. i mean could just be the trap game play going into play there like oh we're winning, we're going to put it on cruise control, and it could just never get out of it. 
Uh, but if there was more illnesses going around than what is mentioned publicly, I could understand why they'd be dragging a bit. Mm-hmm. And that does make sense too. And, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to see, you know, the, they're still coming out with W's, uh, out of that, but that is a very good point that maybe there was something else that was, uh, behind closed doors that we don't, know. um, that one first star. I mean, this one kind of obvious Mark Shifley had a goal and three assists for four points. Gabriel Velarde, second star with, uh, one goal and one assist. So that was, uh, that was third goal of the game, but, uh, I mean, I, I like to, uh, you like to see your top goals or your, your, your top point getter, uh, at the, in the score sheet, four points again for Shifley. So now the, the big guns are waking up a little bit too. And I think that they're getting that kind of jolt that they need, especially when you have this upcoming road trip, you know, big game against Dallas, uh, coming up tomorrow, you know, so, <sighs> all right. And looking ahead now uh, at the upcoming road trip, let me pull up my notes here for the Dallas game. So last five games, players that you want to watch, Kyle Connor, five goals in the last five games, literally just said, you know, it's nice to see the, the big guns wake up. And of course, Kyle Connor is that guy kind of helps with his overtime record. Um, Jason Robertson, if you want to watch the last five games, one goal. Uh, so for points, or excuse me, for assists, Josh Morrissey, 11 assists in the last five games, which, again, solid. Miro Haskinen has three points in the last five games. So scoring has been a real struggle uh, for Dallas. Haskinen also four points in the last five games and Morrissey with 11 points. Um, probable starters will have uh, Hellebuck and Ottinger. Uh, Hellebuck's record thus far, 28, 11, and 3, uh, compared to 21, 11, and 4. Goals against for Hellebuck, 221. Save percentage, 925, and three shutouts. Oninger 298 goals against, 901 save percentage, so slipping a little bit, uh, and one shutout. And Brossois, of course, coming off a, a great uh, game, but he's not the probable starter. Last 10 games, Winnipeg 7-3-0, and so I think it's safe to say that we're coming out of that streak. Uh, for Dallas, their last 10 games, 4-3-3. Three, and three. They're riding a one-game lose streak. Meanwhile, Winnipeg's on a four-game win streak. And as far as their last game, their last meeting was in Winnipeg. Uh, Dallas won 2-0, shut out the boys. Prior to that, Veterans Day matchup, Dallas won 3-2. So they have the season series 2-0. But those two games were in Winnipeg, and these two games are in Dallas. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, it's nice to see them struggling to score goals uh, because division rival, of course. Mm -hmm. Uh, If the Jets can get off to the kind of start they've been getting off to lately where they put up two or three in the first period and they're facing a team that's struggling to score, that could put them in a great position, um, make them have to make Dallas have to really open up for offense, and that'll give the Jets more of a chance to finish it off early, hopefully. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the big part of this, I think I agree with that, is going to have to be get out to that lead because it seems like if Dallas jumps out to that, they could keep a lead better than Winnipeg can. I, I hate to say that, but sometimes you got to call a spade a spade. But once, especially with a team that's struggling to score, when they find themselves in a hole like that, it's a lot harder to climb out of. So if you can just keep your foot on the gas, keep it going, I I like the our chances in this one. Um, power play has been doing better. Uh, I mean, it's better than nothing like we, we had for a little while. They're still 23rd in the league at 18% compared to Dallas, who's 11th in the league at 23%. Penalty sure, kill. But that's not going to change overnight. Right, yeah. Penalty kill has been doing somewhat better too, but there's still a lot of improvement for us. 24th in the league at 78%. But again, like you said, it's not going to fix itself overnight compared to Dallas's penalty kill, which is actually pretty good. 82% that puts them at seventh in the league. Faceoff percentage. That's something that we've struggled with most of the year. 47% puts us 27th in the league compared to Dallas's 54% putting them in fourth. And for uh, goals against 235 for the Jets first in the league compared to Dallas's 303 puts them at 14th. So I think that, like you said, the early start is going to, is going to make a difference. Yeah. I could see a two, nothing or even a three, one lead feeling pretty insurmountable against a team that just isn't putting the goals together right now. Mm -hmm. But then again, we've seen over the past, couple of games that that lead isn't always safe either and as the old adage goes there's no safe lead in hockey <laughs> and i i don't know why i mean you hear this one too but i would almost rather the especially the way that you know our boys have been playing this year i would almost rather have a one goal lead than a two goal lead because there's just something, I, I think there's that false sense of security when you have a two goal lead and we've seen those evaporate several times this year, maybe more often than you would like. So yeah, it's nice to get that early lead, but that's the thing is you have to keep your foot on the gas. Yep. And if they can do that, making Dallas a stretch for scoring, that could open up for that to become a four, one, five, one lead pretty quick too. Yeah. It could be like that Boston game, you know, that and uh, the Vancouver game to the, the best games that we played all year. In my opinion, it's on the table. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are just like really fun to watch too. So now looking ahead to the Carolina game. Okay. So we talked about our players to watch, but who you're going to want to watch out for on Carolina, Sebastian Ajo, three goals in the last five games, also four points in the last five games. So about a point per game. Uh, Seth Jarvis, three assists in the last five games. So yeah, I mean, they're, they're still not, not scoring as much as us, which is kind of weird to say that at this point, but uh, you know, again, it's uh it's just, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm trying to say anymore. <laughs> I'm like trying to, I'm like switching through all of my notes here. I normally write them down, uh, but instead I have them on my phone in about three different apps. So That'll get multitasking you. That'll get you. is not my strong suit. Apparently we've, we've learned that one today. 
I have the standings in one app. I have all of the the stats in my notes app. So the standings, I just use the NHL app if I'm being completely transparent. Um, and then any of those key little stats I have in my notes app on my phone. So switching back and forth is always fun. I it'll catch it caught yeah. Yeah. Well, now that I've made myself here, I'll at least go back and switch to my other app again for the standings. So going back to Dallas again, 31 point differential is what I was trying to get at earlier too, but they've now fallen to second in the league. We're tied with 79 points, but they also have played 61 games to our 57. And now to Carolina, their point differential, 29 points, and they have 76 points uh, in their 59 games. So that puts them in second in the Metro. So it's it's still going to be a tough game. And, I mean, 11.30 in the morning, sure, it's 12.30 local time, but that's that's an early game. going to have to wake up, have coffee, and watch the game. I don't even think I could, in good conscience, have a beer to watch that one. Oh, 11.30? I mean – that's uh, that's like three or four hours after some after some Wisconsinites start drinking. So don't feel too bad about that. <laughs> can't be uh, can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning, right? Exactly. That's on the the front end of a back to back, which is a much more reasonable six o'clock game at Buffalo uh, on Sunday. And now let me switch to my app here. There we go. Okay, we're good. Now players to watch out for is. Uh, the workhorse from Whitehorse, Cousins, four, uh, excuse me, four assists in the last five games. And as far as goals, Tage Thompson has two goals in the last five games, and the workhorse from Whitehorse, five points in the last five games. I love calling him the workhorse from Whitehorse because I'm going to Whitehorse uh, later this year. Uh, my wife and I are taking a Alaskan cruise. We're, we're going in June. And, uh, that's one of the the stops. Of course, the town is probably the size of my neighborhood here. Uh, but I don't know. It's kind of cool. Like the scenery, I'm excited for the most. That's a place I haven't checked off yet. So that's... I'm, never, I'm, yeah, I'm, never been to the Yukon. No, no. I'm wondering how I'll ever check that box off or if I'm just going to be content not to. That's fair. There's... So I don't think I, there's there's some provinces I'm probably never going to get to, but maybe one day. I, I said that there were some states that I was never going to get to, and I ended up living in one. So there you go. <laughs> I said I was never going to visit North Dakota, and I lived in it. I guess yeah. that's right. I never visited. I lived there. There you go. Uh, yeah, the Buffalo game worries me. I'll be honest. Uh, just simply because you're coming off of the weird time the day before. Third game in four days on the road against a team that's of lesser caliber than the first two you played. That's like classic trap game right there. Yes, it is. In their last 10 games, they're 5-5. Five and five. They're riding a one-game losing streak. But, uh, yeah, like you said. They're not playing terrible game. hockey either. No, they're not. Their their record doesn't necessarily reflect how they've been playing because they're they're in a, a pretty top heavy division in the Atlantic. Uh, they've got fifty eight points in fifty nine games at face value. That looks pretty bad, uh, not not terrible, but it does look 
not good. We'll say that much. Uh, but then the jump between them and fifth place in the Atlantic with Tampa's 69 points, nice, in 61 games. Uh, and then, of course, the top of that division, you have Florida and Boston. Those are pretty good teams. Yeah, so – and Toronto, I mean, they're they're kind of a distant third even. Now, granted, they have two games in hand against Boston, but even at that, they have 74 points. So they're eight points out of first, and Toronto is not – we don't look at them as a bad team. So, I mean, like I said, it's just a very top-heavy conference – or, excuse me, top-heavy division. Yeah. So I could see that one being a much more of a struggle than you would look at. You would take that one and go, oh, it shouldn't be too hard. But given all the circumstances around it, I could see that one being a lot more of a struggle than you would necessarily guess just by looking at the matchup straight up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What um, What are your thoughts? How, uh, how many points do you think we can take away from this stretch? From the three, I would say four would be... Four would be about what I about where I would be good with. I don't want to say three. Uh, I I want to say four, but you know this is this is going to be a. Te- I think that we've established that the slump was just that. I think it was just a slump, and they're they're coming out of it. You know, they have another streak going, um, but this is going to be a test over the next two weeks or so. I feel like how if they're legit i should say like if they're going to make noise in the playoffs because now this is the the playoff teams aside from the the wild card fight the the stage is starting to get set at this point you know we're 60 games into the season just about 22 left for you know most teams give or take a game or two uh the the stage is really getting set aside from the wild card teams that honestly have a lot more to play for too, which is why some games against mid teams will say are going to be more of a struggle than they would be in say November. Yep. Playing for your playoff lives uh, is always going to give you a little bit of inspiration. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it'll be, there's, there's likely going to have to be some adjustments made. Like I said, we, we kind of, really address the weaknesses, but sacrificed some of the strengths. Now, if we can find that perfect balance, I think that this team could really make some noise in the playoffs. Maybe we're there though. Cause again, we're not, there's not going to be perfection across, all across the ice. This is true. Scoring enough to take, to cover a few defensive lapses, maybe a weaker first line defensively with Connor and Viardi around Shifley seems to be the way that's been playing out. Second line seems to have settled in nicely with the Iafalo up and Perfetti down just seems to be working a little bit better than it had been. Third line. We know what we've got there. It's just going to be, it's just going to be, okay, is this the balance or is there still something that's way out of joint? Like we had before where, uh, they were playing really good uh, five on five, but any special team was a complete washout. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, going back to the picking up Monahan, I watched a, a video today that just showed like all of his goals since coming to Winnipeg. And 
I, I don't like to be that that guy, but I am so happy that like of all the the targets that the the Jets had, you know, all the rumors that you heard, and I was like, I I wanted to see Monahan get here. I'm so happy that it has played out the way that it did, and now the conversation, depending on how deep of a run this team makes it uh, into the the postseason. Is he going to want to stay, or do you think that he's going to go to the highest bidder? Money's money's money. It's going to be hard to convince somebody to stay if somebody's throwing a wad of cash. But all things being equal, if it's close, I could see him staying. It seems like he's found some chemistry with the, with the players he's playing with right now. On the power play, the chemistry's clearly working well. Took a little bit longer to do the five-on-five thing, but it seems like they found something there as well. Uh, So all things being equal, there's a fair shot. Yeah, and, you know, I I think that with him, like, he's definitely finding his game like he had in Calgary, uh, or at least the beginning of his tenure there. Things started to slide a little bit, and then wasn't the greatest in Montreal either, didn't have the the best tenure there. Uh, But if he found his niche, so to speak, uh, maybe he would be a lot more willing to stay without even, I mean, he'd probably kick some tires. I would be very surprised if a guy like him wouldn't kick tires, especially after this kind of resurgence that he's had over the last few games. Uh, but he might not kick them as hard if he has that chemistry and say that, you know, we'll we'll just throw this out there. This is just for the sake of argument. Say that the Jets make it to a Western Conference final or even a Stanley Cup, may come short, say that they they just came short, didn't quite win the Cup this year, but there's a chance next year. Sure, maybe he would ink a one- or two-year extension. Yeah. I, I being this close to free agency, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if he dipped his toe, said, OK, is somebody going to throw me stupid money, money that I wouldn't have expected if I was still in Montreal and com- becoming a free agent? I can't see why he wouldn't. Um, I mean, the need on need writers that go just go, oh, I love this place. I'm going to be here and sign and sign extensions right after trades or right after um, having acquired doesn't happen too often um Mm. so i'm not too surprised to see if to to see him hit the market but again i mean if the numbers are close there's a chance Mm. there's a chance that he decides hey i've got like what i got we got going on around around like where i'm at i like you never do know though right I'm I'm kind of glad to see. I, I thought of this uh, when I was watching that video too. I was like, Monahan is what Kevin Hayes was supposed to be a few years ago when we traded for him. <laughs> he is everything that Hayes was supposed to be. He fits, and it took mm-hmm. about it took about two weeks for the team to find what worked best around him, and for him to get acclimated with his teammates. But that's what we were talking about when the trade got made early on in the, in the trade deadline season, paying, paying the first round pick feels a lot better when you have time to get him acclimated time to get him rolling. Uh, sure beats having him show up in a week is what 
that's about what we got left. And then taking that two weeks, and then you're almost at the end of the season ready. Yeah. Yeah, at that point, you're about halfway through March. So you got a right. month left in the season at best. Right. It made it made the price feel a lot more palatable, and it's paying off. Oh, for sure. It's certainly paid dividends. Now, speaking of paying, speaking of money, uh, one of the uh, last issues that I want to address for today's episode is the elephant in the room, the Gary Bettman situation, saying that everything is hunky-dory and that fans have no reason to worry about the, the team relocating. And we were talking about this before the show, and I was like, it's better to hear it straight from the horse's mouth, like hearing it from Bettman himself, as opposed to hearing it from True North Sports Entertainment uh, saying that, oh, everything's fine. We've we've seen that movie before. Team or Owners have said that and teams have relocated the next year. So it's it's nice to hear it from Bettman, but uh, wanted to gather your thoughts on it. I think just based off of what I'm seeing, I mean, obviously we don't have boots on the ground, but I do know season ticket holders, and I've been hearing complaints for years about how uh, the franchise seems to be operating on that level. And I think it's just it, what's happening is that the attendance number is, or the season ticket holder number, to be fair, because the attendance number is going up because the team's winning and people want to go see that. Winning cures a lot of things. I, and it might help cure this situation too. I think I think True North is figuring out. Okay, it's not like 2011 where there's where there's a huge amount of unmet demand in this city, where people are just going to sign on the dotted line. We put up a marquee that says "Game 7:30" and people will show up. They're just now realizing that 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 time frame is over. And they just need to work a little bit harder uh, to gain fans' attention again, uh, to get them back in the building. It, and they're and from all the statements they're making, it seems like they're understanding that they need to do a little bit better to a to attract a little bit more corporate attention, and b to just make sure that fans remember uh, remember them and to really connect for the first time uh, a, on a deeper level because what it was 2019 where the where there was the first game that the, that wasn't a sellout it was like eight years of sellouts without having to put a whole lot of effort into it mm-hmm. and then COVID hits the economy and the really honestly the fact that the team was like just kind of sitting there for a couple of years in the same just I don't. I don't want to use the word mediocre, but that's the one's coming up. It's like the team it's was the, the perfect okay. definition for it. Yeah, it, it, the team was okay, but it wasn't really. It it really wasn't going. Hey, this is really good. Come see this. Right. So I think all of that happening in one time helped those numbers drop to the point where okay, now we have to pay attention, and mm-hmm. I think they're getting that message. So come back to me in a year, and we'll see how things are going. But I think, okay, we found we found that there's things we can improve, and I think they're going to start working on that, and we'll see how that goes. 
Yeah, it's something that you want to see because if sure the the attendance numbers are going up, but that you know the the gate revenue is nice to have when the team is winning. But if your season ticket sales are going down, you know you can't always count on those walk-ins, so to speak. And that's something that I think that they're going to take to heart, and they have to do something to garner that interest again, especially, you know, not to get political, but the economy is not necessarily the greatest, uh, you know, in both the U S and Canada. Uh, so families are going to want to pinch pennies as best as they can. Uh, and if they don't have something to attract that clientele that they're looking for, they're not, going to come just because the fact that they're trying to save money they'll probably say something like well we can go to a restaurant we can go to a bar and catch the game and have a, a similar atmosphere you know yeah and i think i think that just the lo- the early on lack of personal attention is coming back to bite them a bit and i think they know that let's see how they respond mm-hmm. and we'll we'll see uh, there's there's been some complaints about price on things such as tickets, such as concessions. And sure, you know, you can attribute some of that to inflation. Uh, but the end of the day, like I said, they, they need to, to do something to show. I don't want to say to show that they care, but you get where I'm, I'm going with this. Mm. So right. they will I prove just... that they care. We'll say that we'll prove that they care. Right. And I, and I think it just, when you mention even the general idea of the franchise not doing well or going to be leaving, there's trauma. And that's going to provoke a response. And I think that's really what is happening here is there is a mention of things aren't going as well as we want to. And that just set off a firestorm because that's because it has happened before. Mm-hmm. So it, just sitting back in my chair right here, I mean, we're, what, eight, nine hours away driving, so we're not in the epicenter of this. But at the same time, I know people that have been there for both, for the for the end of one, the beginning of the other. I can see why this triggered this response, but I think it's going to start slowly fading away. We're going to get back to worrying about line combinations and playoff matchups. And I think by next year, things will have started trending the, the opposite way. So here's mm. hoping that my take on that is the right take. <laughs> right. Yeah, The um, I'm just hoping that like they're not dangling the carrot, so to speak. Like, oh, our team's in trouble. Come watch us. And then that's that's their tactic of getting fans in the stands again. I I hope that that's not it. I don't think it is, but I'm just hope I'm certainly hoping that that's not it. Uh, because yeah, you can ride that for only so long, but then again, if that's all that you have to try to attract more fans, that's not a sustainable business model. No, and you could and you saw just the first what the first batch of season tickets went away in what minutes. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely demand for the product as long as the fans are treated well. Yes, agreed. 
Now we have uh, just a little bit of CFL news to cover, and then we will uh, we have some big announcement regarding next week. And I'm not going to say next week's show, but let's talk about uh, let's talk about what's going on in uh, Toronto. Yeah, we should just briefly mention that there were allegations and a lawsuit now out about activities by Chad Kelly. Um, quarterback over there who had a fantastic season but it seems like he was having he was having some trouble um league is investigating the issue at this point um but there is a lawsuit out there for him basically harassing uh female staff to the point where she ended up being uh, being let go uh because she was rejecting his advances that's the easiest way to put it mm-hmm. um league put out a statement today that they're doing an independent investigation to see what happened um there's also some allegations that uh people f- further up in the organization weren't responding to her when she was making when she brought it up in the first place which honestly troubles me just as much as the first thing so we'll have to see how that the, how this all plays out it's probably going to be a longer process uh, than any of us would want it to be, but that's just the way things tend to go in these situations. But um, yeah, really no easy way to say any of this. So, Right. Yeah. And I mean, according to their press release too, they just want to uh, mention too, that they're not going to be able to provide further comments until the investigation has been completed. And there's no, time frame on that either but as you had mentioned some pretty harsh accusations that should never be taken lightly lightly and it's you know it's it's just tragic all around and we don't want to obviously spread any rumors but it is something that is worth mentioning yeah yeah not to mention it would be to not would be worse than just mentioning it happened in our in our eyes Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that would just be a disservice. Um, but to help land this show on a bit of a happier note, uh, we obviously went really heavy there, but um, we will not be having a Winnipeg Terminal show next week for a particular reason. And that reason is next Thursday. So Obviously, a uh, day after we would be doing the show, um, my wife, who, as most viewers know at this point, she is pregnant and she is going to be induced for labor. So the Winnipeg Terminal family will be growing by one. And I just wanted to uh, I wanted to spend that night before she's induced for labor, just spend time with the wife, uh, you know, and. I guess it would be our last night at home, uh, you know, just the two of us, because even if she doesn't have the baby on Thursday, uh, we're still going to be in the hospital until labor is actually happening. So, yeah, we're uh, we're really excited and we're having a daughter and her name's Lauren. So we'll be uh, we'll be meeting her soon. Mm-hmm. And your life will be the better for it. Oh man, I can't wait. It was funny. We had, uh, we had an appointment with our midwife yesterday and 
you know, like she's getting measured. We're listening to the the baby on the the Doppler. And uh, anyways, so when my wife goes to lay down on that examining table or whatever, you know, picks up her shirt and you can see like the, the pregnant belly, uh, you were able to see the outline of the baby, of baby's butt. And it was funny because the, the midwife, she just like points and kind of like rubs and she's like, oh, look, your little butt. And I, was, <laughs> I thought that was the funniest thing ever, <laughs> but it is kind of cute to, to see that. So yeah, we're, we're so excited and can't wait. Good, good. You guys are going to, it's going to be emotionally draining. You're going to mm-hmm. feel more tired than you've ever felt in your life and happier than you've ever felt in your life. Yeah. And, you know, from, and I think that you can probably attest to this too, from everyone that I've heard, they say, yeah, you, you are very tired, especially those first three months. Um, but it, you would do it for three years if it meant having that same feeling back. Mm-hmm. So I I can't wait. And if I had any sort of beverage, even if it was a non-alcoholic one, I'd raise a glass to it. But I have nothing today because I ran out of my non-alcoholic beer. Yep. And you've only got two days left. So no offense. This Friday. Yep. This Friday, I can actually have beer again, like actual beer. And then I'll be able to crack one of those. You know what? Next week, there'll be the first one that I can crack an actual beer, and I won't be here. There you go. <laughs> well, All it'll right. happen sooner sooner rather than later. I was going to say, give it two weeks, and uh, I'll be able to crack a beer. And you might hear a baby crying in the background, but most likely that's going to be upstairs. I'm in my basement for the podcast. But... Well, more than welcome, though. That's a good sign. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well. This is uh, we're we're signing off for the Quinnipiac Terminal, clear for landing for the dub. Go Jets, go!